folks, we need to be focusing on Jesus Christ, who he is, and what his message is to our church and to the surrounding neighborhood, to this part of Tokyo. This isn't something that is abstract or historical that is sitting on a shelf and dusty and every once in a while we pull it out and dust it off and then put it back in the bookcase. No, this is for us in real time. It's for us to apply to our lives both individually and corporately. Even though the seven letters were pointing to or addressed to the angel or the pastor of that church. And boy, you know how that makes me feel. But it's pointed toward all of us for our responsibility to walk as godly people in this nation, in this city, in this community. That's the call. And that's what Jesus is looking for. He's wanting us to understand our position in him. And that's really what it is in terms of these seven churches. And he says in verse 13, In the middle of the lampstands I saw one like the Son of Man. Now there's a whole lot in that that I thought about this week. Why is he called in this particular passage the Son of Man? man. He was also called the Son of God. But you know what? More descriptive of Jesus is the Son of Man rather than the Son of God. Now you might think, well that sounds kind of sacrilegious because God is above man. But Jesus is the one that came down as a man. Why? We needed a Savior. What kind of a Savior? We needed a Savior who knew exactly what I feel, what I experience, yet without sin, who could be my Redeemer. To be your Redeemer, you need a Redeemer like the Son of Man who knows exactly the temptations that you face on a daily basis. And he overcame. He walked a perfect life. And he became the Lamb of God on behalf of every man, woman, and child. He's the faithful witness. What's he witnessing to? That he has walked as a man daily, among people that were cheaters, liars, adulteresses, adulterers. He was one who knew the heart of man because he was a man. And I believe he was 100% man, 100% God. And he came as a man to experience what we have experienced, yet he was without sin. He was the perfect Lamb of God. And so he says, I know your deeds. To each of the churches he said that. 
He was aware of where they were in their worship, in their care for one another, or of their malice toward one another. He knew it all. He was aware, he is aware of the church. We love this church. I love this church. I've loved this church even before I became a pastor, long before I became a pastor at this church. Because there's just a some kind of a ring about MCC. But we look around, we're not really that special people. Now, I'm not trying to put you guys down, but we are ordinary people from all over the place. There's quite a few of us that are from everywhere you can imagine. But God has brought us together. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't an accident that Judas came and walked in this door this morning. It isn't an accident that you come here to worship with us. God knows who we are and knows whose lives we can touch. And for that, we are special, but non-special. He says, I know your deeds. And in the seven churches, there's the whole spectrum of what can go wrong in the church, in these seven models. Jesus is the Lord of the church. And he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He says that to all seven churches. It's a call for repentance. To coming to Jesus, the Son of Man, the one who became the Lamb of God. He's also described then in chapters 4 to 5 as the firstborn of the dead. Let's read this passage in chapter 4. The living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. He's the Lord of the earth. He's the Lord of heaven. He's the Lord of our hearts. He knows us. He's walked where we walk, yet without sin. The firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? I think we've explained it before, but let's just review that. The firstborn from the dead means, Exodus 13.2 says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of men and of beast, is mine says the Lord. And we talked about firstborn. We rever that in our Western society. In Eastern society, it's even more, I believe, of honor to be the firstborn. And in being the firstborn, who owns the firstborn? Who says, these are mine? God says that. Who was the firstborn of the first couple? Cain. But what was he? He was a murderer. He killed his brother. 
out of envy. The firstborn blew it. Who was really the firstborn? His father, Adam, who was created out of the dirt. He was God's. What happened to him? He fell along with his wife. And they both were sent out of the garden. We have blown it as mankind. All of us are sinners. And we know it. Even though we say, oh, I'd never do anything like that. Oh, I wouldn't be so bold as to say that. We've all taken judgment at other people when we ourselves have either done it or have had attitudes of that. We are sinners. And that's the number one thing in calling people to repentance is to acknowledge that they need a Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. But what does it mean that he was the firstborn of the dead? Isaiah 25, 7 says, And on this mountain he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all the nations. And what is that covering? That's the womb. And surrounding this ball of ours, looking at it from space, it looks like a beautiful blue green sphere. But you drill down and you get down into the earth and you see what a mess it is. God created the earth for himself to be able to expose to all the universe this is what real life is. And Satan, who fell, he was the number one angel, saying, I will be like the Most High God. And he was cast out of heaven. And his territory was the earth. And God sought to be and to reveal to all, I was going to say humanity, but to, to the universe. I am a redeemer. Come to me and you'll find life and not death. And I don't have to remind you, the kanji gi is a perfect picture of us being covered by the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And we all fit into that pattern. We all fit into that plan. We are sinners. But who is covering us? Who has gone ahead of us in life? There was a shroud of darkness around the earth. That's what Isaiah was talking about. And Jesus was the one in his resurrection, in his ascension. He opened the womb of earth, humanity, for us to be born, to have eternal life. Jesus broke through. And that's why all heaven worships the Lamb who was dead and is now alive and alive forevermore. Do you understand it? Do you get the picture? He was the firstborn of the dead. The living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals. Only the Lamb, only the Lamb is worthy. And that's why John wept 
when there was found no one to open the book. Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book. He is the overcomer, the elder brother, the Chonan. And our C point is in verses 6 to 14. I saw a lamb standing as if slain, and he came and took the book, and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, and they sang in his song, Worthy are you to take the book. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory, dominion forever and ever. That's why we worship Jesus Christ. That's why he is our God and our Savior. Because he walked where you and I walk. And he brought salvation. He brought redemption. He brought the promise of the Father for eternal life. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. 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 Number three, the ruler of the kings of the earth is in chapters 6 to 18. Let's follow this. Then I saw when the lamb broke one of the seven seals. And that was momentous. That was heaven showing what happened at the lamb's fulfillment of all the promises of God and blessing. And the lamb became the one who took all of that to himself for mankind. Then follows a series of seven seals in Revelation. The seals brought a cry. Hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb of God. What is the wrath of the Lamb? Does God love you? Do you deserve it? Have you earned it? Well, not yet. I'm still working on it. Don't, don't even try. He did it for us. For every man, woman, and child. Are we deserving of it? No. But he did it. And we lay our lives before him. And honor him. Because of what he has done. And receiving to himself all of the punishment that we deserved. He received it to himself. The wrath of the Lamb was against our sin. The sin of man. And he went to that to fulfill all righteousness as the payment, the absolute final payment for our sins. You cannot be good enough. You cannot do enough good. And that's the gospel. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Therefore, I stand in his righteousness, not mine. Praise God. 7.10 says, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Amen. 8, 1 and 2, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in the heaven for about half an hour, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. These trumpets, every blast brought judgment on those 
who would not recognize the Lamb and what the Lamb had paid. 8.13 says, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet. Ah, oh, we, can, we can stand it. We can do it. We can fight against it. Oh, you can't. 11.15 says, And the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. 12, 11 to 10, the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. Number four in John's outline in chapter one, to him who loves us and released us from our sins in chapter 19 to 20. In 19, 1 to 6, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to Jehovah. In 19, 7 to 9, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want you all to be there. That is one place and time that not just MCC. MCC will be minuscule in that supper feast of the thousands and thousands upon thousands who will be gathered there and worshiping the Lamb. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Chapter 19, 11 to 16, I saw heaven opened, a white horse, and he is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. And this is a picture of all of those who refuse and refuse and refuse the mercy and the graciousness and the patience of the Lord and won't receive him and what Jesus Christ has done for us. Woe to those people. And that's why it's so important for us to be sharing with our relatives, sharing with our friends about Jesus Christ. You found a treasure and we need to be sharing it. And there's stories that Jesus told of a man who found a treasure and he bought the field. Another who found a pearl and paid all he could to own that. We have a treasure and we need to spend it. We need to give it away to others. Chapter 21 to 15. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven and laid hold of the serpent and bound him for a thousand years. Satan will be released and the devil was thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. Our enemy was taken care of. He received his judgment, bound for a thousand years, was released and then was thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. Number five, he has made us to be a kingdom of priests 
in chapter 21. 21.3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be among them. That's our hope. That's our confidence. God will tabernacle with us. 21.7, he who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And because of Jesus, we stand there as followers of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, and he who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. With a small s we become sons of God. Not in the sense of what Jesus is, but as those who have been made righteous as Jesus is. You get it? And then 21, 22 to 23, I saw no temple in it in heaven. There is no temple. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. Why do you have a building? Why would you have an altar? Because you've got the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's no need of a temple. We're walking among him and, and with him for eternity. He is our God. And we are his children. We are his sons. Number six. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 22.1 Then he showed me a river of the water of life coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. This is the Garden of Eden number two. But this one is indestructible. It does not have a tempter to be there. That has been dealt with. It's finished. And we have become righteous in the blood of the Lamb, in experience as also in person. We become not gods, but men who walk in the righteousness and the light of God himself. That's who we are. That's who we were designed to be. That's why he's called us sons of light and salt. We are that right now, not in completeness, but in what the work of Jesus Christ has done for us here. And we are going there in promise to get the whole goods, so to speak, the whole reward. That's what heaven is about. It's not just about laying on the clouds and strumming a harp. How boring. No, we're the sons of God. And from this tiny speck of earth, God has deemed or designed this little speck now that we see, you know, what we're able to do in space exploration. We found out now that the Earth is smaller than a period on a piece of paper in comparison to what is out there. And we haven't even seen the end yet. That's our inheritance with God the Creator. I'm sure we're going to meet again somewhere. Won't that be glorious? 
and we'll be able to, hey, I remember. Yeah, you came and visited us at MCC, right? Or we spent 10 years together. And that's how I came to know Christ, is the testimony that you gave. That's the fellowship that we'll have. And what we will do, I don't know, and John didn't know either. To him, it was just as mysterious as it is to us. But he had kind of an inside picture to give us of what our hope is in who? In the Lamb, in Jesus Christ, our elder brother. And out of him flows the river of life. 22.2, on either side of the river was the tree of life for the healing of the nations. Every nation will be there. 22.3, there will no longer be any curse and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his bondservants will serve him. What a joy that will be. 22, 4, and 5, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and they will reign forever and ever. I want you to come and visit me at my planet. Would you do that? So we can just talk over old times. I don't know whether I'm going to get a planet or an acre on a planet. But we have an inheritance. And John was looking forward to that, and so am I. And then finally, behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. And so it is to be. Amen. 22.10 says, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Relatively speaking, in the next breath you take, Jesus could come. And that's it. We don't know. But we do need to be ready. The time is near. And John has said that through the Holy Spirit and through the words of Jesus, the time is near. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Praise the Lord, that is not by my good works or my good intention or gifts or whatever, but it's for what he has done. In 22.13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then finally, in closing, he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming. Surely I am coming. Get that in your spirit, your heart, and your understanding of who you are right now and where you're going. Surely I am coming. And what do we say? Come, Lord Jesus. Can we say that again together? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Again. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And I say to you in benediction, simply, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Well, this has been my joy and I've tried my best to share it with you. 
and may you be blessed as you think about these things that we've talked about for several months now and that we can walk as children of light as we can be salt and light where he's put us throughout this city in your schools in your families in your homes among company people that need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ the best gift the best that we can share with them is our experience with him praise the Lord father we just thank you we are humbled by your extravagance your incredible plan that we just a few here in this room but yet we've discovered and we have been able to receive the truths of what John has shared with us in this last word empower us and be in us keep our ears and hearts open to your words and to your holy spirit leading us in Jesus name amen